0: Consider this, 100% of owners will leave their business one day, but few are prepared. Are you? Don't worry, you're in the right place with this podcast, Succession Stories. Host Lori Barkman, the business transition Sherpa, guides you from transition to transaction, from building value in your business to letting go. Lori is a business transition and M&A advisor, specializing in growth, acquisitions, and selling owner-led companies. She's also the author of the Business Transition Handbook. Get your copy and learn how to avoid succession pitfalls and create valuable exit options. Sign up for a Business Transition newsletter at SuccessionStories.com. Show us the love by subscribing to the show and posting a review. We appreciate you. Now here's this week's Succession Stories with Lori Barkman. Welcome back to the Succession Stories podcast. If you're not already, please give me a follow on LinkedIn and Instagram at Lori Barkman. You can also subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. Help me spread the word by sharing episodes with people who will enjoy the show as well. Elliot H. Callen is the president of Prosperity Financial Group, a financial planning and advising firm. He's the three-time CEO with a passion for working with family businesses to achieve a meaningful life beyond financial measure. We talked about the emotional aspect of family businesses and the hypothetical umbilical cord that's hard to sever. It could be a reason why family business owners want their kids to take over, so they can stay close to the action, or they might be reluctant to let go of their company baby and plan to work until they die. Does the next generation even want to own the business, or do they want the wealth from an exit and the ability to move on? And what's your retirement strategy? make it more than watching four hours of TV a day. As I said earlier, Elliot is a proponent of creating a meaningful life. He shared the heart-wrenching story of his youngest son's death by suicide and how he's honoring his memory by taking action to help other families. A Brighter Day charity unites stress and depression resources with teens and their parents with the goal of stopping teen suicide. Enjoy this Succession Stories episode about meaningful transitions with Elliot Callan. Elliot Callan, welcome to Succession Stories. I'm excited to speak with you. You have a new book that's just launched. I feel like I'm part of your book tour. This is exciting. Lori, thanks
1: so much for having me on. I'm excited. Let me do my shameless plug here. Shameless plug. Here it is. Shameless plug. It's Driven by Elliot Callan, Adam Torres too. We hooked up about a year ago and he interviewed me on his podcast, of which he has hundreds and hundreds of podcasts and writings and editions. And and then he got so fascinated, I put him on mine. And then ultimately we we collaborated and we wrote a book on leadership and entrepreneurship about a road less taken or that we think is always taken. There's a lot of humor here because nobody makes more fun of me than me. And... (laughs) I've not had a straight line in my life, but I've had some great stories to tell from it and some really good success as well.
0: Oh, congratulations. And that's very exciting. So it's a book about leadership, entrepreneurship, and everybody should check it out. Get it on Amazon. It's called Driven. Elliot, why don't we start by talking about you? Just a brief introduction. Help us understand what makes you tick. Who are you
1: and what is it that your businesses focus on? Thanks, Lori, for having me on. I'm Elliot Callen. I'm here in Northern California. I own and run financial service organizations. I'm CEO of two wealth management groups and CEO of a charity at the same time. So three three CEO hats that I wear. And in my free time, I wrote the book. In your free time, you don't sleep much, do you? No, no. I, I get up at 4.45 and hit the gym because it'll never happen if I don't do it then. So I'm in that peak performer crazy thing that, you know, I'm not sure that's the right thing to do, but... We do it because it accomplishes a lot during a day. So and you're also a podcaster. You also have a show. I have a great podcast called Meet the Expert with Elliot Callan. It's got 55 or 60 episodes out there. And it's the top 4% financial podcast globally in the world. So, yes, I'm doing that. So, we manage money. I manage money, manage relationships. That's probably a better way to say it. Because if it's money, it's personal. I own that trade. I trademarked that phrase. So I have my clients, then I have a whole series of people that work for me, in one company, and then another company is 55 people, and then a charity to make a difference in the world. And then I'm married, I have two children from my first marriage, my original kids, that are 29-year-old twins, and I've got two stepchildren and three grandchildren. Wonderful.
0: Well, there's a lot of joy that's in your family, I'm sure, and in your businesses, lots of challenges. And with your clients, you see that too, that there's always the balance of joys and challenges. And I know in today's show we're going to talk about that. Tell me a little bit about the organizations that you've led in the past. I think I read in your bio that you've had a few exits.
1: This is my third organization that I've started in a major way. I could say third set of organizations that I've started because there's really three of them, but we'll call it the third set. I graduated from Rutgers, a little bit east of you, and I graduated as an accounting and economics major. And I I wanted to be in economics, but my brain said you can make instant money with a big eight accounting firm that was recruiting me. And I did. And it was a really bad fit. And so that, that didn't last as long as I would have liked. But it put me in a position of having to start something, and I did. I started an industrial packaging business, and I built that up until 1987, and then I sold that. And the reason I sold that is because we had expanded so dramatically, so many resources were into the growth and the debt with expansion. So I understand that as a business owner, just because you're growing doesn't mean you're not getting into more debt. And we were doing that at at an alarming speed. And I went to a New York Jets football game that we had season tickets for. And my wife and I went there and we argued the entire game about my company. And I knew at the end of that day, I needed to sell the company. That was it. Did work, you have a vision of who should be the buyer? It turned out to be my employees, which was great. And they sold both the assets of the company, which included the receivables. I sold the clients and I retained the payables and the debt because they could never have afforded to carry that debt and payable. So it gave them a fresh start. It gave me the, the ability to renegotiate you know, all the debt that was there and pay them back in an orderly manner without doing something like bankruptcy or whatever like that. And then I looked for something to do, and I ended up going to the environmental cleanup business, scrubbers, and air, and water, and did that with thousands of reps around the country. And it was a great time because there's a lot of money going from the federal government through Superfund, and you could hire people and clean people up. So these big smokestacks there, and in Pennsylvania, I was one of the few people certified to walk into a nuclear reactor that was under construction, And certified that there was nothing that was going to melt down in that reactor that was part of the installation. Because they had to have that certified called no low melting point metals, not to belabor or something, a really boring topic. But we did that. And then the super fund money dried up. And I knew I wanted to get back into finance. And lo and behold, living in New Jersey, came to California, had my set of twins, and ended up getting into the financial business. And I've been there now 30 years. Okay. Gotcha.
0: One of the things you and I talked about in preparation for this interview were challenges that you see most frequently with your clients. And one of the things that came up was the idea of a family business transitioning to the next generation of family. However, that next gen might not want it. And you told me you're seeing that more and more. Let's talk about that. Do you have any client examples no names we don't need any names but any client examples where there was at some point a realization that the next generation didn't want the business
1: were it all starts lori with really the three phases of growth of an entrepreneur phase 1 is the startup the beginning the building the excitement you're doing everything you're, you're coming in on weekends you're emptying the garbage can you're talking every day is exciting you're you're having to negotiate with banks and sometimes lenders and sometimes private money. And this is really exciting. And then you reach the point of, you know, I've got something going here. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to stop, but I want it to grow and I want to grow smartly. And you begin to enter another phase of your life. You're now bought a house, a couple of cars. You've got some hobbies. You've got a management team in place. There are some good things happening. You have your struggles possibly as an entrepreneur, because sometimes you go back and forward and back and forth and back and forth. But it's the third phase that is really interesting. And that's what you're talking about. And that is now I'm a little bit older. I've arrived. I've got my kids either in college or through college. They're now adults. I'm getting a little tired. I still like what I do. I love what I do, baby, but I don't. maybe not quite as much as I did when I was in that exciting growth phase of my life. And everything was new because let's face it, new is exciting. I don't care whether you're in a relationship or an automobile or you're writing a book or whatever. New is exciting to all of us. We all chase shiny objects. That's what we are, what we do. But now I'm in that phase three. I'm thinking, what do I do now? What's my exit plan? What's my strategy to cash out? How do I get the legacy of this business to continue? And either I don't care about the legacy, I just want the cash, or I don't want to give up the name. I've worked really hard for this name. I developed the Band-Aid brand. I don't want to give it up, so to speak. And so you begin to look at sometimes inwardly at your family and you've got a few children that maybe even worked in a business as you were growing up and they've been here and they worked in warehousing and shipping and office management and sales. And and boy, they'd be really well qualified to take it over. And we get approached with this subject all the time because in our industry, the wealth management business, your clients tend to reflect you, your values, your looks, not that people look like me. I wouldn't want that on anybody. <laughs> no, stop. <laughs> but they, a little bit of gray hair and a beard, you know, or whatever, you're, whatever is you. And so they're now entering phase three or the middle of it. And they're thinking, okay, this would be great. And then this is what happens. This is why there is greater than a 90% failure rate in businesses that go to the next generation. It's really high. Now, I just want to say that again. Nine out of 10 businesses fail when they are passed off to the next generation. And the reason for that is not competency. Because we always think that my son or my daughter is very competent and can handle this. And they are. I don't want to discount anybody because I just had a large cemetery business that the daughter took over for the father who took over for his father. So it's the third generation now. And I asked her privately, I said, what made you want to get into this business? Everything about your persona, your stereotype, your age is not related to the funeral and cemetery business. And she said, I'm destined for it. Okay. You don't hear that very often. Most children want, have watched their parents. Let me pick on, let me call it dad for a moment instead of parents. They watched their dad, and I don't mean to be a sexist here. I'm just going to pick the dad. They watched the dad, and now they've watched their parents go on some spectacular vacations, Maybe have a house in Tahoe or Florida or Canada or secondary home. Maybe even have some, they've been able to parlay that with rental properties and investment properties and, and so forth. And they look at their parents and they are envious in a positive way of the life that their parents have created. It's a pretty good life. They go to Florida a month every year. They go to Hawaii in a weird time. They do all these cool things. You're in the middle of Pennsylvania. Who wants to be in Pittsburgh in January? oh, come on,
0: you know, if there's snow, there's great skiing.
1: <laughs> You're even on the wrong part of the state for that. Yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, can, can only so, go so many times to Camelback before I get That's there. right. <laughs> and so, but they want that life, but they don't really understand what the parents, what the father or the mother did to get that life. And they work sometimes six and seven days a week. And they were sleep deprived because they stayed up all night, worried that they couldn't meet payroll. Or the bank loan wasn't going to go through because they didn't have enough credit personally. Or that they couldn't get the materials from offshore to get to make the products they needed. And they would lose the contract and be sued out of business. All these things happen in a small business owner's life. But they want the results of it. So I've seen this happen so many times where I've said to the parents, as they told me this, is your child, your son or daughter, prepared to come in on Saturdays Do extra work and empty the garbage cans because you used to be the only one to empty the garbage cans. Once upon a time, you cleaned out the refrigerator on Fridays so it wouldn't smell on Monday because that was the snack room. You went and cleaned up after your employees in a snack room or the kitchen area because you knew it had to be clean just because that's you. yeah, That's your personality. You made sure there were flowers on the front desk because you didn't want to miss a birthday. Little things that no one notices that you did to stay in business and keep a happy team together. Or for your clients, you make sure to reach out to them even when you knew you were going to get yelled at, because it was better to confront the problem than hide from it, because you could always apologize. But you could never hide from running away from the problem. It was you were going to lose the client there. Could have lost them anyway, but you knew it was the right thing to do. Or to renegotiate with your vendors or to be yelled at even though you because you didn't want to, but you knew that if that person could just let off steam, We'd get through this. I could deal with it. I bet. Big, broad shoulders, 49-inch chest, broad shoulders. It's, you could deal with that, right? You, what your children want so often is they want the results of your hard work, but not the hard work. We have it happen so often. So the best thing you could do, and I recommend this almost all the time, unless you have like the situation where the daughter was groomed to be in a business, they want the money. They want the receivables on the five-year note that mom and dad are going to get for the business. They want to take over the stock of the company. They want to maybe change it around because they have their own ideas. And that, that could be really good ideas, by the way. I'm not knocking that. That's what they want. So more often than not, if you, the best thing you could do for your children is going to say, I'm going to sell this business for 5000000 million, 50 million, 25 million. I'm going to sell that. I've got three children. I'm going to split that in quarters. I'm going to give each one of you one quarter of the money rather than one quarter of the business. Maybe you could hold on to the real estate and have the new business pay rent to you. And that would be a cool thing for your kids. But I'm going to split that in quarters. So each one of my children gets 25% of the business and I'm going to take 25% for myself. And I'm going to go and develop what I want to do now that I have the money to do anything I want to do. And then we asked the question there, Lori, what would you do if money wasn't the issue? Now, for most people, the number one answer by far is I would travel more. I want to see the world. Some people don't want to see the world. They just want to see more of the U.S. or Canada. They don't want to go offshore. They don't like that. That's number one. Other people like me, I've got a 1,000 bottles of great red wine at home, and I own a wine tasting room. We did that because we didn't want to wait till retirement. We travel around the world eating our way through countries, cooking our way through countries because we asked to cook all around the world, and restaurants let me in to cook, and it's a lot of fun. So we do these things that most people want to do. For somebody else that's playing golf two, three days a week, they never really have the time to do that. For somebody else... I I have got grandchildren in three different cities. I wanna see more of them. I'm gonna start doing that. I think I'm gonna do an Airbnb in Dallas because my daughter and her two children and my son-in-law live in Dallas and I never get to spend a month there. That would be a cool thing to do. This episode is sponsored by the best-selling book, The Business Transition Handbook, How to Avoid Succession Pitfalls and Create Valuable Exit Options business owners will learn how to navigate the emotional and practical nature of the transition process to avoid exit regrets. It's crucial to start planning when time is on your side so you don't leave money or your happiness on the table. Reading this book, you'll have Lori Barkman, the Business Transition Sherpa, guiding you along the way. To download a free copy, head to thebusinesstransitionhandbook.com that's the TheBusinessTransitionHandbook.com today.
0: Your ideas are very well articulated for yourself. And I love that. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Do you find for your clients that they just can't do that? They have no vision. They can't look out five, 10 years and, and articulate the way you have what they want to do.
1: Well, you have two things going on here, Lori. You have the emotion from the business owner that I built this baby, it's mine. It's, a, it's very emotional. I can't let it go. It, it's got an umbilical cord attached to me. I'm just not going to let it go. And that's one reason they want to give it to their kids. And they may not even get want to give their kids free reign to run it because it's still their baby and they're still going to come in every day. And I've got clients who are 75 and 80 years old and the children are my clients who are in their 50s and dad comes in every day. I said, so is he involved in the management? Only on this part of it because he can't let it go. The other party doesn't care about. That's not healthy. So we talk as part of a wealth management structure. We talk to all business owners, and we try to do this in couples format if they're married. To find out what is the finance, what is the retirement strategy here, to develop retirement goals, because four hours of TV a day is not a retirement goal and that's what the average senior watches in the united states and if you're very involved politically because you love the argument of especially we live in today we live in huge political times of political turmoil no matter what side you're on you could be a junkie in cnn and you could be a junkie on fox so you just want to watch more of it because you want to get more of your opinion on that you're going to become more of a negative person because those are very negative articles Not picking either side here. They're both equally responsible for the negative headlines. We don't want that to be a structure for you. So we talk about developing hobbies in retirement. Now, lots of business owners, their business is their hobby. My father was a small business owner. He invented different colored inks for different colored companies. Some of those companies you recognize because they have clear pens and they used to sell for 19 cents and he developed the blue ink for them. Amazing. But my brother's sister's through college and law school with that blue ink. When he retired and he got sick within two years of retirement, he almost had no hobbies. Because he loved working. On Saturday mornings, he went in and moved boxes around. As a kid, I would go with him because I had some muscles and he was aging. When he got old enough, he would just go in and do something else. But he really didn't ever need to go in. But what else would he do? And once the kids left the house... He really had nothing to do on weekends because he wasn't taking us to a ball game or a museum or something like that. He was at home. So they'd go down to Florida to Boca Raton where they rent a place, and he hated it. Who hates Boca Raton when you're in a boating community? Somebody who doesn't have a boat and would rather be working. Well, let me ask you this, Elliot. For the scenario you just
0: talked about where the, the father's 80, still coming in the office, and he has a piece of the management that he just won't let go of. And the kids are in their fifties going, shrugging their shoulders saying, we don't know what to do. Are we in that scenario, I hate to say it this way, but basically waiting for
1: dad to pass away
0: before anything
1: changes? It could be more complicated than that, Laurie, because what if dad doesn't pass away and very slowly he's getting Alzheimer's or dementia? You can point to finite things like cancer. He's got a year to live. He's barely coming anymore or she. You could point to that, but what if it's a slow onslaught and their capacity is becoming diminished? They don't see that. You know it, but they can't see it. And what if their mood begins to change and they start becoming an angry dementia patient? And all they wanna do is yell at you. And they're yelling at you in front of everybody because they're not in control of that, but they're mad. They don't even know why they're mad. Because it's not their baby anymore. You've taken away their baby. Right. They can't fathom necessarily that they've given it to you or that you've even paid them for it. You might have fairly compensated them for it over time, which would be great. Maybe you bought them a new home, right. whatever you did. But the brain isn't like it used to be. And it's not their child anymore. So when it's not so clear cut, you can develop a lot of angry enemies within your own family. And at some point, no one's going to be talking to anybody. And I hate my sister. I hate my brother. I'm sorry I left you this. I'm sorry you did that. They're just so angry. And that's a really unhealthy relationship. And the next generation will have no communication with each other.
0: So how much time does it take for a family to work through these issues and plan ahead so that they don't get caught in this succession conundrum where the dad or Gen Mm -hmm. 1 assumes that Gen 2 wants the business and Gen 2 doesn't want it, and
1: then they're stuck? I think, Lori, a really good transition plan, it takes two to five years. I mean, you are an expert in this. You've got a book over your left shoulder, Business Transition Handbook. I can see there are copies for sale there, right there. I'm trying to reach in and grab one of them. (laughs) I mean, you obviously are exposed to this every day. It takes, as you know, two to five years to really do well. One-year financials are probably not in a position for an outside buyer to want to look at them yet. I mean, it might be for your accountant and your bank, but not necessarily for the outside buyer. So we got to get the, tra- the the financials in a position to be sold properly. Then you've got to get that emotional, you've got to deal with the emotion of it. And so if I told you, that's a great book, Lori, business, we needed, you were perfect timing. You wrote a book for the perfect time of ba- business transition. Inside, you got a big smile going, right? Because you're human. But if I said, what a waste of time, there are already, 55,000 of these books out there, are you actually selling any of these? Now you have a whole different feeling towards that, right? And so, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean it personally on that either. No, that's everybody fine. Everybody listening, buy Lori's book. Buy Lori's book. <laughs> but, um, but see how, but that little bit of emotion has to be dealt with. Otherwise, they're going to be angry. Because in the absence of happiness is anger, Frustration. And so you don't want to be frustrated with your next child, with your next generation. They're your children. You want an orderly plan. And when somebody buys your business, even if they don't want your name that you wanted them to have, they just want your clients as an asset sale instead of an equity sale. They just want everything about your business, but not your business, which hurts a little bit because you built up a brand and now they don't want it. You have to be able to deal with that. And you have to be able to say, well, good for me. I'm moving on to the next phase of my life but feel good about saying that. And that doesn't happen in six months or three months. It could be pretty fast, but it could be a lot slower than people think about it because emotionally it's tearing the band-aid off your business scale. And that's hard for everybody.
0: That is hard for everybody. When you think about your business 10 years from now, what would you like the company
1: to be remembered for? I get approached, Lori, almost weekly that people want to buy my assets, the assets of the business. They want the clients. They want, you know, we're an asset-based company. Between both companies, we're about $800 million in assets. It's a pretty different. good size number. Um, people want that. The, the billion and a half, $2 billion companies in my industry want want me. I am I used to be large. Now I'm mid-tier. <laughs> so it changed. The facts on the ground changed. But only one in all my years of talking to people has said, I've, I think you've done a great job with your brand. You're all over social media. You're all over Northern California. What a brand! I want that brand, Elliot. Only one company has even talked to me about it, and I've realized they don't care. They want my clients. They want the assets. They don't care about me. They they might say, "I want you to work for me for three years or five years. We're going to pay you out. We'll give you a salary, you know, five hundred thousand dollars a year." They do all those nice things that sound fluffy, but my baby is my brand. And so, when you're talking about buying the clients, I'm okay with. When you're talking about buying my assets, I'm okay with. But when you say we don't care about Prosperity Financial Group. You can keep it because we don't really care. We're, we're going to go by the ABC Financial Company, no matter what. Well, you're missing me then. I got it. You didn't read me at all. And so I read that and said, maybe I'll reach the point in my lifetime when I don't care about that. I've just gotten too old. Time for me to walk, give it to the next group of people. Okay, then I'm going to have to divorce myself and say the brand doesn't have value. But today, that brand has value to me, to my team. And I wouldn't want to say that has no value.
0: Let's and talk about other things that give you purpose. We learned about Brighter Day Charity. I was talking with you about that off air, and understand that your book, a percent of the revenue of your book, is going to go towards the the causes you care about. So why don't we talk about that? Tell me about the Brighter Day Charity and how it came to be.
1: Now, Lori, it's a fabulous charity. Um, what we do is we help teenagers and their families deal with stress and oppression with the goal of of stopping teen suicide. Uh, And we do it with 24 hour texting for teens in all 50 states. We do live Zoom programming counselors, all 50 states. A robust website at abrighterday.info. That's one of the best. If it's not the best in a teenage mental health world, it's right up there, it's that good. And then we've got a bunch of other programs as well. It started because my 19-year-old son, eight years ago at the University of Montana, a sophomore, walked up to the highway and jumped in front of an oncoming truck and took his life. And in his suicide note to us, which arrived via Federal Express after he was dead, it said, Mom and Dad, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I never would have told you how I felt. I never would have asked for your help. And I never would have taken your help. And that paragraph among six pages long. But that paragraph was the impetus to saying, we've got to stop this destruction and devastation from reaching other families. And that was the goal. And we came up with the idea of a charity. It started as a musically based charity. Now it's way broader than that. But it's very focused on teens and their families with stress and depression. It's not a big, broad mental health charity. There are a million of those out there. It's stress and depression. And every teen today is feeling stress and depression. I write two articles a month that are nationally published. I've got a full-time writer on staff that writes four articles a month that get published. We're everywhere with teens that we can be. Uh, and we give out free re- resources to schools, to parent groups, to rotaries. Whoever wants our resources, they're absolutely free. The resource of of
0: the website, if a teen is feeling like they want someone to talk to or they want to reach out, what are the services that they can get from your website?
1: I have to tell you, because you and I know that teens are not really big into reading. So the website, obviously, it has a teen toolkit, survival toolkit, has a parent survival toolkit. Some teens look at it, but not many. What teens are really into is texting. It's this. Unfortunately, social media is their enemy. But, it, but it's bigger than you and I. It's into texting. So what teens love about this is that they could do one of two things. They could text 24-7 in all 50 states, the word BRIGHTER, B-R-I-G-H-T-E-R, to 741-741. And within five minutes, again, all 50 states, any day of the week, they can get counseling for 40 minutes at a shot and then hang up and do it again. They could, they could walk out of chemistry class and get help because they hate chemistry. They could do it at midnight. invariably, because we monitor these, in the first five minutes, almost every teen texts the same question. Am I the only one feeling this way? They're totally isolated. But that's not for everybody. So if they need to get a Zoom, if they need to get some counseling in the United States, if you've got a teen, Lori, and your teenage daughter or son comes up to you and says, Mom, I'm thinking about hurting myself, you're going to take some action. might not know what to do, but you're going to take some action. And so you call around and you get some referrals for counseling and they say, great, thanks for calling Lori. Um, I'm good. In eight weeks, we can have your daughter in here because it takes six to 10 weeks. We can get your daughter or son counseling, your teen daughter or son counseling in seven days. It would be Zoom, not in somebody's office, with a licensed therapist, not an unlicensed therapist, not me. I'm a parent. Zoom counseling. That Zoom counseling, in all 50 states, again, it works, right? That The beauty of that Zoom counseling is that that costs money. That costs $100 to $150 an hour, what counselors cost. If they go through our website, we will pay for it for the first three months. And we do it for three months because, again, when we tracked it with our third part, our partnerships out there, we found that the average teen is out of crisis in 90 days. So we'll pay for it because Lori, we don't want you having to decide between feeding your other children and getting the one that needs help, the help they need, because you might be competing dollars. That's what the charity does.
0: That's so important. And it's beautiful what you're doing. And I, gosh, I don't have words, you know, for what you and your family must have went through, but how you've come out on the other side of that eight years later, you said it was eight years ago that that happened to your son. What you've done in in his honor and how you're helping other families is just beautiful. So thanks for sharing that. So as we wind down this conversation with all your experience as an entrepreneur and working with business owners, and this is kind of a mic drop question, right? What are the two to three things that you think business owners should start doing now to be better prepared? and have a successful
1: exit without regret? I think, Laurie, it's a great question. And it's a lot tougher question than, you know, just the words that you said, because it needs to be talked out. You need to have that conversation. It's a tough conversation. First, that conversation has to happen with you or your partners, your business partners. Then it has to happen with your spouse because that is your partner. And then it needs to happen with your family. Even if you're selling it, let your family be on board here that you're selling your business. So they can support you because you're going to go through huge highs and lows during this process. So talk it out. And in this conversation, when you're not just talking about the money side of it, talk about your life. What are you going to do? What are we going to do, Lori, as partners, life partners with each other for 30 years already? What are we going to do to enjoy life? Do we have anything to do? And make sure it doesn't include the TV. Let it include your life. Because I know when I talk to my wife, and I just had this conversation with her yesterday, because we talk about travel, we're not waiting to retirement to travel, we're traveling now. It's where do you want to go? And do you really care where we go? See, because Lori, if you and I were partners, and you said, you know, I want to spend a month in France. And I want to spend and I say, Oh, I want to spend three weeks in Yellowstone. We're a long way off. that. We have to talk it out. Because maybe it's Yellowstone this year or France next year, or let's, let's blow them both off and just spend three weeks and four weeks in the Amalfi Coast in Italy as a compromise.
0: So just having the conversation and talking and looking forward is great advice. You can't if, beat that. No, you really can't. Turn off the TV and have a conversation. I ask all my guests if they have a favorite quote or something that inspires them, and I know that you do. Would you like to share it with me?
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. There's a, there was a philosopher from Germany named uh, Goethe or Goth depending on how it's pronounced, G-O-E-T-H, uh, from the 1800s. So we're talking about two centuries ago. Uh, and he, he, I read this when I was in high school. I wrote it down. And I know you can't see it, but it's in four-inch letters, in silver four-inch letters above my credenza. Uh, it's very cool. It says, whatever you do or dream, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. And I've always thought for me, Lori, that meant just do it. I don't know to quote yet, Nike yet, but if you've got a vision, put it down and share it and find a way to make it happen. You can adjust it. You can alter it. It doesn't have to be perfect. But if you don't have a vision, then you're going to be 65 years old in a blink of an eye trying to figure out what your vision is.
0: Set your vision and make it happen. I love it. Elliot, if people want to get in touch with you to learn more about your business or about the charities that we talked about, what's a good way to get in touch?
1: Sure. From an email, it's elliot, E-L-L-I-O-T, at prosperityfinancialgroup.com. Of course, the website is prosperityfinancialgroup.com. The cell number, my cell number, and I give it out. and People call me all the time, 510-206-1103. And the charity is a day dot works too. I'm just saying, used to say.info. Uh, <laughs> so Wonderful. you can reach us and get any information. And we'd love to talk to you and I'd love to talk to you. And I've got clients in about 35 states. Excellent.
0: Elliot, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on Succession Stories and being with me today.
1: Thank you so much, Laurie. Thanks. And good luck on the book. And you know, how many do uh, you know how many how long has it been out? It's been out since May and we
0: were recording in August. So it's been out for about three months.
1: Well, very exciting. And it's, it's a topic that most business owners take for granted. So yeah, thank
0: that. you. And I know it's very difficult to, to find the time to write a book. You get to really be committed to it. And you've done that. And congratulations to you on the launch of your book, Driven. And again, everybody should check it out. So thanks once more for, for coming on the show, Elliot.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Listeners, be sure to follow Succession Stories in your favorite podcast player and on YouTube. And why not leave us a review? Five stars helps the show get discovered. To learn more about maximizing the value of your business and planning for transition, sign up for our newsletter and book a complimentary call with me at thebusinesstransitionsherpa.com. Join me next time on Succession Stories for more insights from transition to transaction. I hope that today's episode resonated with you. What actions will you take as a result? If you want to grow, sell, or transition your business, our strategic transition planning process provides clarity and objectivity on the big questions that may be weighing on your mind. Make an intention and take the next step. Set up a complimentary consultation with me to discuss your goals at thebusinesstransitionsherpa.com. That's thebusinesstransitionsherpa.com.